do pinhole? No. Pinhole? Okay. So you can do pinhole. No. No, I'm going to okay. do pinhole. I'm going to talk about my I'm going to talk about my old XG1 and XG2. It looks like a firecracker. It looks like a firecracker. Then I realized it's a laser drill, So Film Photography Project number 167, July 15th, 2017. We're here in the studio with Leslie Lazenby. Hello. Mark O'Brien. Hey, everybody. And Mr. Matt Marash. Hello. A lot of exciting things to talk about this show. This is our last show of the season. What show? We're going to be taking our summer break and then be back in the fall. But wait, we're not going anywhere yet. We've got a lot of fun things to talk about. Let's say you want to get into Polaroid photography. Do it. In old Polaroid 600 camera, Spectra camera, or SX70 camera. How do you test your film? How do you test your film? We're going to figure out and talk about that. Uh, before we started taping today, Matt and I and Mark and Leslie, we shot some sheets. Yes, we did. We did. Finally, 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 <laughs> sheets. sheets. Uh, there was a Kickstarter. How long ago was the new 55 Kickstarter? Oh, what year? Oh, 2015? 2014? Well, I love Kickstarters, especially when it's like really cool film-y stuff. Mm-hmm. I got in on the new 55 and thank those guys over there. They sent the stuff, and there it sat, and it sat, and it yeah. sat, and it sat. But the good, you know, good thing is we're here underground. It's always cold. So, you know, we're going to share our experience, the good and the bad. And the it. ugly. The good, the bad, and the ugly of it. Just uh, cut my mic. <laughs> And we also shot, first time ever, I bought the holder years ago. This is for large format 4x5. It's called... Uh, Kodak Ready Load. Holder. Yeah, yeah. Ready Load. What is it? Mm, slick. I'll Great. tell you what it is. That and more. It's awesome. And then we're also going to be talking about a book, a book of the month. Mm-hmm. Which book? And then... Another what camera. Of- I'm going to talk about the XGM and the XG1. Excellent. Okay. Matt, what do you got? You got something? Um, I, got, I got some stuff. How about supporting some artists? Damn yeah. it! Yeah, support some artists. Buy some art. And, and Matt, how do you just? Mm. How will you display big prints? Big print. I ha- well, I j- re- just recently did some Great. some of that. We'll be right back. Remember what fun you had when you got your first Polaroid camera, watching your pictures develop, and the fun of sharing those pictures on the spot. Remember that party that didn't take off until you started taking pictures? Those shots of Herbert explaining the gross national product did it. Well, those people are coming back tonight. So go out and get some Polaroid film and get out your camera again. It's right where you left it, up in the closet, under the hat. Hey, we're back. Uh, Let's first talk about our shoot. Uh, And I have to tell you, when I get together with the gang here uh, here in Fairlawn, New Jersey, I love it when when we have an opportunity to shoot. The weather was kind of crappy, so we didn't go outside to shoot. But we set up here in our our makeshift subterranean... uh, Bunker. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) We I, I 
<laughs> it's like, is the world still out there? Seriously, if Ooh. the world collapsed right now, the second while we're taping, film would be fine. We'd be everything. <laughs> would, film we would be wouldn't fine. know yeah. no. until we walked near like what is sort of a window, so and we'd still buy ourselves some time with exactly. you know stuff from. Us and the mice. Then if there's just, a problem... We just eat sugar and drink coffee. And, uh, <laughs> if there's a problem, we can go one layer down. Yes. And, and we could eat the mice if it got too bad. Exactly. Well, the sugar mice. <laughs> so I dragged out some of my Lowell hot lights, which is a rarity these days. You don't see too many people shooting with hot lights. Lowell's and Ari's, yeah. I mean, you see now everything's what? L- L- LED. LED. LED or Bad LEDs at that, yeah. They're, what, do you, what do you call those? Panels. You see mm-hmm. panels. Yes, now. light panels. Mm-hmm. These are hot, <laughs> hot lights that you you know you dim down by putting some diffusion over it. You know, hot light. Bulbs. Really hot. Low lights. Still hot. Even though it's hot out, it's great having these hot lights on because it you know it's so cold in here that it it you know brings some heat into the room. Temporary <laughs> relief. <laughs> so I set up my four x five Wista, and we uh, went through some uh, new fifty five sheets. Mm-hmm. What is new fifty five, Matt? Uh, so New 55 is a project that was taken on by Mr. Bob Crowley. He set out to completely, from scratch, uh, reinvent another piece of uh, almost forgotten Polaroid history, which was Type 55, which was a single-sheet uh, exposure peel-apart film. So you load it into a holder that had a... It was like a like a pouch with a metal clip on the end of it. So when it went into the holder, the pouch removed enough to expose the film, then you Pulled it back to, uh, pushed it back together, and then you pulled it through the holder, which uh, pushed, squeezed the chemistry over the rollers, um, and within within a minute or two, your print was ready to view. And it instant pr- film, instant film, and it produced a four by five inch print as well as a negative that you could then wash and print again from. Now with Type fifty five and the types before it, there were two ways to shoot. You could shoot for the print. Uh, which a lot of studio photographers would do because that was their proof. But then they also could have a negative. Now, if you were the, the kind that was doing your body of work, like Miss Polly Chandler and some other folks I know, that primarily worked in that medium, you would shoot for the negative, which would yield a print that was a little bit bright, a little bit unusable because you're, you're adding a little bit of exposure to it. So new, what New 55 had done, though, is they're utilizing... Uh, a new film, new pod formulation, kind of new everything. Theirs is supposed to generate a usable print and negative simultaneously, albeit different from original Type 55. Yep. We didn't have very much luck today. No. I, I've had I've had good times and bad times, mostly different times with new 55 film. But, again, it's it's one of those supporting... Support those that support film. So yeah. I'm, I'm behind it. Um, Bob Crowley and Sam Heiser... Uh, the two that are you're, you're kind of the, the two you report to with good and bad results on there. They're very responsive, very open um, on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. They're they're pretty responsive on, on all those social media outlets as well as some of the older photo forums uh, where folks are shooting examples of it. But it's it's there. You can purchase it fresh. They ha- uh, every now and then they have runs of color films so i mean they're there for four by five shooters it's not cheap but neither is the miracle that's happening between there right right so you know i so i don't you know i didn't sweat it even though we didn't we didn't get a usable image this time around i mean we're gonna we're gonna try again uh but i and i don't have the results of this either but i also uh back in 2011 purchased a ready load 
what do you, what is it called exactly? Uh, just a ready load holder. So there was uh, there was two manufacturers of ready loads. Well, they had different names. There was ready loads from Kodak, and then Fuji had their own name for it. I can't remember what theirs was. I think theirs was just quick loads. So this is also four by five. That's right. This is also four by five sheet film. Mm-hmm. Now, what's the great thing about this film? Oh, uh, what's great about so the what what's the number one enemy of film photography? Dust. Oh. So for those that like to travel, darkness. Wow. Light leaks. Light. No, light is actually the biggest. But um, so, du- but dust is so pervasive; it's everywhere for landscape shooters, location shooters, anybody that wanted to shoot a lot of film in a short period of time that did not want to bring, you know, drag along a Harrison tent or the dark bag along with them, and wanted to minimize that that extra little bit of effort and weight in their bag could pay a convenience price of basically time and a half to twice as much for their film, and it would be preloaded in these little envelopes. And when you were done, you could just unload the envelope, send them to your lab as is, ready to go, and all you needed to take was one slightly thicker film holder and a box of your sheets, which were in the envelopes. So ready loads were a favorite and still are a favorite uh, amongst uh, you know a, a cult group of 4x5 shooters, one of which is a studio buddy of mine, Mr. Tariq Terry. Uh, he's actually reported some good successes with the new 55 film, but he still shoots a good chunk of ready loads. Really? Yes. He was a big uh, Acros quick loads shooter. Now, is he out on location? It's, it, like, you don't have to load your film loaders. It's yeah. ready to go. So when he he shoots a lot of refugees uh, at refugee camps, uh, a lot of them were Somali refugees, but now with the Syrian refugee crisis, he, he went out uh, last year and this year uh, in in April months, and shot refugees in, in Europe, and quick loads were the only way he could get in and out with his Wista kit. You and you and Tariq have the same uh, Wista setup too. With same holder as well. Same holder, same uh, same lenses. Yeah, well, surprisingly, you know, you what? both you both came to me, so you both got the same camera. <laughs> <laughs> now this uh, film, the ready load film, is yes. not made anymore. It's it's not, but it, a lot of it is good, slow, black and white and color film. So I think the fastest you can get in a lot of them was, was 100 anyway. I have some uh, Fuji uh, MPS 160 color. Color neg, so color 160 neg. color neg and Acros 100 was another one that you D- could we get. Have, we just shot we have T-Max 100. So, and Velvia. You know, yeah, and Velvia 100, yeah, Velvia 50. Velvia, so, yeah. like, all the good stuff, all the hits, you know? So yeah. the the youngest stuff you'll be able to find for that is only five years expired or so. Maybe, yeah, maybe it would be fine it. if it was stored nicely. No, it would be great. Yeah. I, I know Do you have ter- some, Leslie, at home? I, I never did because never did. once it was gone, I thought it's gone right. by the holder. But, but I used to process some for people when mm-hmm. I worked commercial. I would get ready loads into process. Yeah. And it's it's just a joy because you open up the envelope it's there. You know there's going to be no dust, no scratches. It's just it's easy. It's ready to go. I think for f- somebody that was produ- a shooter, production, you know, production level, just shooting a lot, mm-hmm. it was definitely worth the the little price increase to get there. Is a uh, film readily available on eBay? Is it is it pricey? It's getting pricier, but I don't think it. There's there comes a point where it's not worth it anymore because some of these films, if you really like them, you also appreciate the look that you can get with those films. And if it gets too far expired, you just buy fresh. Yep. Yep, yep. I wish they would have made Ready Loads in 8x10. I've been jumping on that. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) Can you use the Fuji film in the Kodak Ready Load holder? The, The short answer is 
Yes. The long answer is you probably shouldn't. Oh. Um, there are some slight differences between like the metal tabs and everything, but it, for the most part, it's fine. One thing I do like about the quick loads holder from Fuji is on the ready loads, there's that big, re- nice red release tab. There is. Now, Fuji has like a smaller release tab, but they also have this little button that you press, and the button has like a like a colored it's just like a stamp and it inks your Ooh. your ready load pocket so you know it's exposed oh which is just kind of neat you know that for for a company that doesn't seem to care about the continuation <laughs> of some of their films they really thought it all through yeah a few years back i was selling um off a, a camera a state of, of a local photographer and had a lot of ready loads of uh, there's fuji velvia and and uh, I think it was T-Max 100, things yes. like that, mm-hmm. and the ready load holder. And, and it went for a decent price. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I had no interest in using it. I'm just not a large format shooter. Well, thank you, Matt. Yeah. It was a joy uh, uh, shooting, especially since you did all the work, which is all awesome. <laughs> I enjoyed I standing to... and posing. Yeah. Mark, you were great, Mark. Thank you so much. But I, I will add one thing about that uh, the new 55, how this kind of ties in. So for uh, I have seen some good positive results shot with the new 55 film and what i will say new 55 versus old 55 because Tariq and i he shot all of my my uh, kickstarter reward film pretty much as soon as i got it i believe i got 10 sheets and we tested it with expired type 55 i believe it was less than 10 year expired type 55 simultaneously next to it and it was a very it was dreamy and it was a little softer so it almost looked like somebody had already taken uh, some sort of high-key softening filter over everything we had done with the new 55 film, and that's or the, with the Type 55, and that's what the new 55 looked like. So even the expired Type 55 had a punchier look to it than the new 55 film, which really it doesn't surprise me because I've seen how far it took Impossible to get to a certain level after Polaroid and re- reinventing the process Give versus. A yeah, just give it a chance. Give me a chance. You definitely have to understand that you're funding research with it yes. and uh, the advancement of it. But, man, Polaroid was, was magic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It just helps you realize that even more and appreciate it. Magical. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Matt. Thank you, Mike. <laughs> no, thank you, Mike. When we no, come back. You, we're going to oh, be talking you. about. I'm going to be talking about how to, you know, how to test a Polaroid SX-70 600 or Spectre camera. We'll be right back. We're here at Tony's Touch of Italy with uh, Matt and Lauren and Leslie and myself, and we're celebrating the fact that FPP Store, FilmPhotographyStore.com, now carries not only Kodak film, but Kodak film at a price that matches, if not beats, all the big online stores. What does that mean? That means that I don't have to shop anywhere else for film. Ever just FPP Film Photography Store dot com is going to be the one stop shop for all of my film thirty five millimeter one twenty instant photography and you know those great little plastic film tastic cameras on the side super positive Leslie what's it mean that also means that you can also get your one ten Matt you forgot one ten well the point is while you're shopping it's one stop shopping it's quick shipping and we ship international. No problems. Very important, sure. We're not going to leave anybody out. A, a big a big part of the FPP community is the international listener base. I would say a little over 50%. And now they have an outlet and a very cost-efficient outlet, and we're getting it to you. So get out there, 
order your favorite emulsions, your Portras, your Ektars, your T-Max, Tri-X. Get it. Get it now. Filmphotographystore.com. Hey, we're back. You're going to hear some noise in the background. And what it's going to be is Leslie actually testing some Polaroid 600 cameras. Testing, you, testing. You may say, testing. hey, if I find a camera in a thrift store or in a flea market, which, by the way, they're ample, mm-hmm. millions of them out yes. there. Shoot them. First of all, don't let anyone fool you. Don't pay any more than five bucks unless no. you're buying it from our store. <laughs> Because <laughs> we've well, tested them. I, 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 I paid ten bucks for that one. I mean, that the Barbie cams and the cool cams. Yes, those Taz special, cams. Oh, the yeah. Taz cams. Yeah, of course. But you know, you're playing blue whales and, yeah. and green frogs. But yeah, unless you have, unless you're an experienced Polaroid shooter and you're carrying like you know tested, you know blank. Car- Let me explain. <laughs> <laughs> the cameras don't have batteries, so there's no way to test the camera unless you have a pack of new film. Now, m- many of these cameras will have a pack of film in it, but they're very old, which means that the battery in the pack has gone dead. So follow me here. The battery's in the film. So if you're a new shooter, you need to buy a pack of film to test your camera, which means there's a chance your camera may not work. So you're mm-hmm. spending $23.99 U.S. on a pack of film, and your camera may not work. Now That's a lot of lottery tickets, Mike. It is. But if you're a social person, if you're a social butterfly, if you have some social skills... <laughs> and not anti-social skills. You can go on the web and get on Polaroid forums, and you could kind of snoop around and scout around saying, Hey, I just bought a, a Polaroid cool cam. Is there anyone out there that has an empty pack of film mm-hmm. that you could send me? Mm-hmm. So I can test my camera. Follow me here. So the empty pack of film from an experienced Polaroid shooter will be fairly new, which means the battery will still be good. And you could use that empty pack to put into your camera to see if the, your camera fires up. What will it do if it does fire up? Well, let's see what it would do. This is a empty, not an empty, it's a used pack Right. that was empty. And I've loaded in just some already pre-exposed... Um, Images back into it, and the reason I've done that is because when I put it in, I've got it, an empty pack I'm putting into a 600 type camera. Cool cam. Cool cam, and I'm, it's in now the camera. And as I close the little hatch up, what I want to hear is the sound it would make if this was a real clean new pack of film. So when I close this up, it should pop out if I preloaded it with stuff. The cover. Nice. Yeah! That is an awesome sound. Now, I also have people that come in and they'll have these cameras and they'll say, they'll come into my shop, I bought this camera. Uh, I want some film for it. I said, do you know if it works? Uh, No. Well, I said, uh, you bring it in, I'll check it out for you. Yeah, yeah. That is, by the way, an invaluable service. um, I have these packs all over, not a big deal, and that way they, they can then drop Close to $25 on this. Oh, mm-hmm. this one had an old one in it. That's an old Polaroid. It was empty. But here's another one we've got. This is the Great Sun series. This is a Sun 600. And here again. Nice. Yeah! Ladies and gentlemen, that is an awesome sound. 
Nice. That's yeah. great. That's fantastic. That's what we want to hear. That's what we want to hear. And see. Sometimes I even just save the original black cover that comes out. Sure. So and I just oh, yeah. load those so back lo- in. It looks like it should when it exactly. pops out. Yeah. And it, um, um, I can test the flash. Now, this had a couple shots mm-hmm. in it. My flash is charged up. Sweet. Fantastic. God, look wow, look at that. That wow. was so instant. Instant. <laughs> so it allows me to test all the functions. At this point, I'm pretty confident the shutter timing sounded correct. It didn't lag. I didn't pop the door shut, and all the frames just start popping out. Nope, that camera's bust. Yeah, move bust. on. Okay, just move on. So let, let's address some potential some potential issues. I've in a few packs that are a few cameras that have come into Midwest before. We have tester packs on yep. hand, by the way. So if you oh, swing good. by Midwest Great. with SX70 Spectra or 600, we got it. Right. Uh, but I've popped one in before, and before I close the door, it starts making noise. What's going on there? It's broken. Uh, you like uh, no, no. It'll actually start like trying to advance. Like you hear the uh, and then like you close it and then it's like it only finishes. Does anything yeah. come out? Yes, it fits. Some- oh, okay. Well, that I don't know. Hmm. There's okay. all kinds of little electronics and things in there. Sometimes you put it in, it makes a sound and nothing comes out. Oh, that's pro. That's pick arm. Pick arm. Okay. The pick arm assembly no longer is picking and pushing that top frame out. That's Lazy. A pretty darn common one right there. Now, common um, with the Polaroid 600 cameras? They which, all use that same technique. But as in the, the pro- mm. 600 cameras are 1980s, 1990s. 90s, yeah. The yes. SX70 are older Much cameras. Older. Sure. More problems? More problems. Be- age. Yeah. Age. Everybody, everybody wants the rainbow. Oh, my God. So do I. And so as a matter of fact, keep talking. I'll do that. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> he's just flying out of here. Okay, what are we going to talk about? <laughs> not, not Polaroid. Not Polaroid. Oh, anyway, everybody wants the rainbow camera, the white one with the rainbow stripe. Between SX70 and 600, all of the SX70 cameras, especially the lower end ones, required an additional flash. Flash bar, yeah. Yep, an expensive flash bar. So there's one disadvantage. Number two is the age of them. Yes. So. I had one of those. Yes, and then once you jump up into the 600 series, I believe the Amigo was the only one that required that additional flash. The rest of these, flash is built in. Mm -hmm. No flash bars. Excuse me, can you test this? Tell us what it is. I can. This is a one-step camera. This is the one out there, the classic rainbow. What it is. What it is. This is the classic Polaroid SX-70 film-type rainbow camera, white face, Rainbow Stripe. Classic. Just classic. And it is focus-free. We do have a light and dark and control and a snazzy little red button. <laughs> <laughs> and it was made, if you're going to use it indoors, you need a flash bar. You need bar. that flash. Yep, the flash bar, not flip. No. No, yep. flash bar. We're going to test this one out. Yes, let's. let's. These rollers look sweet. Here we go. Here we go. Yeah. Ta-da. Aced it. Fantastic. Ready for another one? Oh, yes. Wait uh, for it. Oh. <laughs> this is a long exposure because I didn't have the flash Whoa. on. We can keep at this. Sweet. We that found one sweet. that works. So this one will be on the FPP um, store site. It's $99.95. It is guaranteed to work. 
<laughs> I, no, it's not. There are so <laughs> many of them that don't. They just There's line up. There's so many that don't and, work. And, oh, hi. in the old studio before I moved, I, know, I had a had, wall of them. Yes. On the Brillo box, yes. remember, they just yeah. lined up, and it's just like... So um, many. It was so, so sad. Hi, Mike. This is such and such. I have a Polaroid camera. Can you tell me why it doesn't work? I love my little rainbow camera. Oh, crap. Not again. (laughs) (laughs) They were not. So many emails. In the SX-70 line, this literally was the cheapest camera they made. And they made a lot of them. But this camera is easily 40 years old. Yes. And a camera that sold under $30 was not made to still be popping out film at 40 years. The year was 1977. (laughs) It was New Year's Eve, about to turn 1978. And little Michael Rosso was running around with a Polaroid one-step rainbow (gasps) shooting shooting my parents' drunken party. (laughs) (laughs) There were people with lampshades on their head. Not the traditional... Okay. That is great. And I shot, and I got some amazing photos of lots of characters. So all of these images that you've been hearing come out of the camera, I'm reloading. There's dud yes, shots. Right. I'm and loading course, them back in. Yeah, oh, yeah. just load them back into the pack. Just kind of just squeeze it down a little bit from the front. You can see it load in right on top. Now I'm ready to test another camera. Me, see, once you start shooting... Uh, impossible project film for your classic Polaroid camera, uh, you'll start ac- uh, accumulating your own test packs. Yes. You hold on to them and use them to test other cameras I because do. you'll become addicted sure. to shooting Polaroid. Mm-hmm. It doesn't take much. Or you can go on instant film forums and you could send your packs to other people who are in I've need. Had, I've had people yeah. request and pop a few in a, in a bubble envelope and but get them going. How long will a pack last before mm. the battery's dead? That's a... that's. That depends on who made it. That depends on who made it. I still have packs. Who made it? Who made it? Polaroid battery or Impossible? Or Impossible. Oh. Impossibles tend to last. They're a little more finicky. I'll leave it at that. Okay. So it's, for me, I can still use a a pack that was made in 2000, expired in 2002. Mm-hmm. The battery's going to be good. It will be good. I have no question. It is good. I've noticed some Impossible packs, the, the cold, all of this studio... Uh, can uh, can kill them a little bit quicker. Oh. Yep, whereas, the, whereas I keep my... In the fridge. I keep it in the fridge. A lot of people keep their impossible film in the yeah, fridge. Yeah, I don't know. It, it they're, just they're seems foiled, like foiled. But then they also recommend, too, I believe... Bring it, acclimate it. You need it. to acclimate it to at least room temperature yeah. before you use yeah. it. Put it under it's your better. arm. Put it in your breasts. <laughs> <laughs> my ample breasts. <laughs> um, it's your heaving bosom. For number one, it's it's best for the color. Yes. To have that up too, yes. so yeah. as color well as the battery, developing but, times. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh yeah, and if you're shooting a pack of of film, image comes out. Uh, if it's not like you know, if it's nice and toasty outside, like it should be in here, but it's not. <laughs> you could put it in your pocket, nice and warm out. Or if it's not warm out, put it under your arm mm-hmm. or somewhere close to your body. Plus, it will exactly. shield from the sun. Oh yes. yeah, shield, mm-hmm. the color needs to be double duty. The sun. Yeah. yeah. And there's going to be one more. Oh, little, that'd be great. One yeah. more little thing. Oh, what's oh, that? Oh no, what? Hmm. These have counters in them. <gasps> they count oh, yes, down. Yes. You put a new pack of film in, it sets at ten. Yep. Right. Booyah! I got ten shots. No. No. Not, <laughs> not it's more. Impossible though. only fits eight into that cassette. Mm-hmm. So, bitch. so kind of, kind of, kind of, you gotta kind of pay attention. But it says ten. Then there's that great shot, and your camera's. Like, I got two left. I got two left. 
No. No. What you get is a sound like that, and then you get... Bullseye. You get bullseye. Nothing there. It's like, oh, shit. Now, I don't have a flashbore with me, but I have encountered where we just did a series of... You know, a series of tests, everything's great. Mm-hmm. But I've seen where, if with a flash bar, it does something with the circuitry where it all of a sudden doesn't work. Have you ever experienced that? Take your flash bar out, run a pencil eraser over the contacts, oh, put it yeah. back in. Pencil erasers are so they, good for um, contacts. They, they really, 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 it, it's almost not, it's not a corrosion, it's more of a film. Yes. And they'll look very dark. You run that pencil eraser over it, and it becomes nice and bright and shiny, and you are good to go. Mm-hmm. And pay attention, you shoot five, you flip it around, you shoot yep. the other five. So just simply look at the face of it and see if you have any good ones left. So you have two left if you mm-hmm. shoot. Well, you do, yeah. but that's the way it is. Now, I will say, mm-hmm. you know, when I'm shooting socially or at my parents' house or at friends' houses, uh, when I shoot instant shots, there is some uh, there is some pressure. There's some pressure on all of us experienced shooters kind of know we need to wait for the image to come up. Yes. Mm-hmm. But the pressure of the person you just shot, they want to see this thing come up instantly. I know. Settle it, yourselves. Oh, with the impossible film, it's not like it was before with 60 seconds. No, it's not. It's it's five to ten minutes. And, you know, people can't see e- e- developing before your eyes because if you're in sunlight, you have to shield your film. So there's two things you could do here. You could go with the cool vintage Polaroid, which is cooler, by the way. There's, like, mm-hmm. no doubt about it. Or Fuji also makes something called Fuji Instax. And it's a blast to use. It is. Now, Fuji Instax is is a formula that you don't need to shield the film. The image comes up almost instantaneously. So if you're in the seventh grade, you know what I'm talking about because you probably have a camera and, like, you're, like, you know, BMOC, (laughs) big man on campus, with your Instax camera. Freedom of choice. Freedom of choice. You know, and if you don't like the look of Impossible... As uh, Mr. Dave Bias from Impossible said when he used to work for Impossible, he's like, oh, if you don't like the look, Fuji Instax. Like, there's no animosity towards each each company. It's like Impossible folks are like, hey, man, whatever. It's like whatever floats your boat. Because the Fuji Instax image is, well, Mark Dalzell will say, boring. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's correct, beautiful color. Yes. Uh, mm-hmm. um, Impossible Project film gives a much dreamier... Uh, almost like a more retro it does. look to it. But up until recently, Impossible was the only one that had the, the black and white image. Yes. Oh. Polaroid never offered that, a black and white. They only offered color. People mm-hmm. ask all the time, can I get it in black and white? No, move on. <laughs> <laughs> try Tri-X. Fuji Instex offers black and white now, too. Yeah. They do, yes. Copycats. I, there was just some 600 film that had black and white. I shot it. Oh, in the 90s, maybe. Yeah, yeah a it was a bunch of it. It was I had the a very bunch. end. It was experimental stuff. Was it? Okay. Yep. I and loved so it. So it was never put out really. It was, you know, kind of like too late. Sorry. Well, I, I don't, but, I'm not sure. So uh-huh. new black and white yeah. Instax versus Impossible. I still prefer the Impossible. I don't know what it is. I the don't know. The contrast to it. It's beautiful. It's, it's got a little extra punch to it. It's like dialing the contrast up a smidge. Instax is. it's. True neutral. It's about as true neutral as possible. It's a very long... So if you want to actually like dupe something and just get dupe. that pure kind of grayscale for it, the Instax is sweet, but I, I really like that Impossible. Great. Mm-hmm. I and have no qualms about the black and white working. ever. But and Mark, you sent a lot of cameras our way. Thank you very much. But do you actually shoot it yourself ever? I mean, what? The 600? 600 or any well, instant. I, I, put a, I put a book out on Blurb. 
uh, whole year with shooting oh. shooting SX seventy. Get out of town. I did back in nine uh, back in two thousand. I think nine or ten. I don't know you then. That was an eternity. Well, but you can go. The book is still on blurb. Oh, what is the name of the book? Uh, I think it's something like my my last year with Polaroid and or a Polaroid elegy. My last year with with okay, instant film. Hold on, that's got to be our book. Computer. My last year shooting Polaroid by Mark O'Brien. Blurb. <laughs> but just, I, I was going to mention one copies. thing about the flashes for for the one step and so forth. There are, if you are sometimes lucky, you may find the 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 electronic flashes that fit onto those flat where the flash bars went in. That's correct. And they and they sold those for the SX70 and the mm-hmm. one step and mm-hmm. if you can find they're out there and people sometimes they're in, you know, uh, camera swaps or and guys say, I don't know if this stuff works, but you know, if you get yep. it for a few bucks, hey, what's It's the called heck? the Polytronic. Yep. And mm-hmm. I think Keystone made one too. They did, yes. These are these are hundred percent here. Gosh, Flash. That's just such a classic oh, sound. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's just called a Polaroid elegy. E-L- I'm coming up with nothing. E- I'm, I, now I'm doing Mark O'Brien blurb book. Never heard of him. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure it's number five thousand two hundred eighty-one on their list. Oh, here we go. A uh, member profile Mark O'Brien blurb books. Let's see what we got. M.F.O. Brian. That'd be the guy. The internet is slow in the bunker. Oh my God! When was this picture taken? What decade? Oh, about ten years ago. Your beard is full and brown. <laughs> <laughs> now it's oh, um, like my Polaroid elegy. My last year with a Polaroid camera. Oh, and this was like when Polaroid stopped making right, film. Right. Oh, wow. And there's another thing too. If you do pick up an empty pack to carry with you, mm-hmm. there is a difference between the 600 pack and the SX70. There's little um, uh, little notches, tabs. Mm-hmm. little tabs on the bottom, and you can actually put either one of these into either camera, but sometimes you kind of have to tip the one with the mm-hmm. tabs in. Mm-hmm. Some people take a little exacto knife and just nick oh, them off. Yeah, I snap them off. That yeah. works fine, too. They slip a card underneath it. They're mm-hmm. making it too hard. So, so the, so kind of don't panic about that. I mean, you try to put it in. It's not going to fit. Right. I got the wrong one. No, no, no. That's just a little, it's a little snafu there. You, you gotta, get by it. So Mark's book, you got a soft cover, hard cover. There's also an ebook version. Ebook, ebook, ebook is the most economical. Yeah, it $2. is. Two ninety nine. Yeah. There's no way you can reduce the price on the print version. It's it's a pretty good sized book. Oh, okay, yeah. very good. I'm yeah. not. Guess what? He doesn't get a free tester pack then. <laughs> <laughs> the funny, the funny thing. The ironic thing about this whole thing, when I when I had finished my project, I still had another pack of SX70 film or a 600 film left because I was using an SX70 and I had the the little neutral density filter over the mm. over the the pack, the, yeah. The, oh, yeah, no, over the pack, over the over oh, the, yeah. Over the, yeah. the, the, the the sensor. I went to use it, and there's a little um, catch that broke, and the door would never close again. So that camera died when I finished the project. It locked you out. Well, that about concludes our talk on testing a Polaroid sure camera. Does. Yep. If folks out there, you have any questions. Call Mark. He's got the pack. <laughs> <laughs> uh, podcast at filmphotographyproject.com. Uh, one of us here will field your question about your Polaroid camera. It's, it's, it's really great, great fun. So get to it, and we'll be right back. Of the 12 billion photographs people take every year, over 80% are of other people. And quite frankly, not all of them are likely to turn out as good as this one. Because this was taken with a camera designed to photograph people, the Polaroid 660. 
The 660's exposure system and film are balanced to achieve natural flesh tones, and its electronic flash system automatically compensates for virtually any movement. If you wanted to get pictures of your family as good as this, well, now there's a camera that can help. The Polaroid 660. We'll have all the news, weather, and sports tonight at 10. We hope you join us. Hey, we're back. Let's do a book. I've got a book. Okay. You do a book. I've you have two book. books. I do it. And you've got a book, too. Let's get a book. I don't worry. <laughs> Polaroid cameras here invading my space. Oh. Take it away, Leslie. <laughs> all right. I got this book called Curious Cameras. I thought it was similar to Crazy Cameras. That's what it kind of looks like. It on does the look outside. like that. I'm thinking it's written by the same guy. Ooh, no, it was not. It's a reasonably new Square Space Publishing, uh, November 2015. Oh, pretty Written recent. by Todd. Todd Gustafson. Yes, our hey, good friend Todd. That's, Who a, is Todd. that's a very familiar name. It is. He is the technology curator. At the George Eastman House. Ah, maybe that's where I've heard him so before. So okay. these books, when I say these, there's going to be a tie-in to this. They are extremely well photographed. Mm-hmm. This one simply is called, when I get it back, Jeez. Curious Cameras. 183 cool cameras from the strange to the spectacular. I like that word. I'm going to tell you. These things just, well, first off, there's there's an Olympus camera on the front that I have. Oh, so she's Ooh, I in. I have this one. I'm in. That's it. There better be one of my cameras Bring in Bring it up. And if you would see my my version here, there's about a million post-it notes. Oh, there yeah. are. Running across the top, and that's a good thing, because those are cameras that I have. Oh, I see the creepy panda camera on the back. And there are two <laughs> tabs, only post-it notes, on the side. Oh, Bucket cool. list. Oh, that is creepy. But these are such a joy. They are so well done. Curious camera starts out... Look, Michael. Oh, look at those oh, beautiful. Very well done. Look at that. 127 look at star that. mites or star brights, I'm not sure. Just in the very front. But he goes way back. Daguerreotypes all the way through digital. Because, let's face it, some of those early digital were pretty funkadelic. From dags to digital. From dags to digital. Just a stunning mm-hmm, book. Mm-hmm. Many, many times with this one, too, they will have images Ooh. shot with the camera. Those are I great. I just opened the it up Nasa to the Hasselblad. And, of course, it's um, the, the lunar yeah, moon. Nasa the moon. Yeah. There's our beautiful Instamatic 100. Oh, my God. Beautiful camera. I know. Was and a it's Canon P right next to it? Canon 7S. Oh, 7S. Okay. 7S. Oh, I, I can always tell but that 59.5 on there. Ooh. Slightly even enjoy cameras or the history of cameras. Some good shit. It's difficult. <laughs> <laughs> you don't you don't start on this because see look at this see this one yeah right here that's got my little side flag oh yeah the yeah style folk this is oh. not the cure the style for gas. Folk what film does that yeah. take sixteen millimeters really super cheap cameras made to look like a fountain pen. Yeah, it's nine nine ninety nine seven ninety nine can't touch it at all for ninety nine anymore. That is such an expensive camera to collect today. <laughs> I'm not sure how much I would screw around with putting film in it. So the inherent flaw with anything that's meant to look like a fountain pen is somebody's going to want to use that pen. Memory pen. <laughs> right, right. No, no. I, I think Matt's really going to love. So Where that's like a bomb camera, toys. right? Like Get a fountain toys. pen camera. Where is it? This is the one. I oh want. my God! Is that not great? It came with a little developing oh, kit and everything. Oh God! No, turn the page. Don't! I can't tell you what it's called because you all outbid me. I know me what it's called on eBay. Oh. Crazy camera. <laughs> yeah, I got the Charlie the Tuna camera, the Mickey oh. Matic. Oh, you know. not the Mickey Matic. I know oh, the Mickey Matic. my dreams. But, but there's a classic, absolute classic. Here's Canon A1. So their curious cameras are important historic cameras. Okay. Not necessarily all wackadoo, but. <laughs> 
It was a, right beside the Canon AE-1. Oh, I was Kodak, always curious the, about the AE-1, why people liked it, but that's the, my... The, um, <laughs> and, you know, there's, there's a lovely amount of actually text with each one of them. Look at that. Kid outside with the pocket Instamatic 20. Mm-hmm. Do they I have, think it looks like your brother. Did you shoot that? It does look like my brother. It does, yeah. yeah. And it's just... Do they have like disc a, cameras in there? Pass that book over, Probably, Leslie. sure. But when you do... St- oh, there's the classic Leica with the red oh, leather yeah. shutter. That's in there. There's our Spartus oh, press there flash. there you go. Yeah. So when you pick up this book, should you, give yourself time. So this this is kind because of Because you can't stop. This you is a classic stop. Eastman uh, Eastman House book because they had the 101 cameras. Like this this feels like just a continuation of what they've been It is. Knocking His out first of the park. book was... 500 cameras. This is literally 170 years of photographic innovation. And that was an inspiration from this. And this one I got, you know, there's some repeats of things in here, obviously. This really, really, really goes back to the beginning of photography. It is such a beautiful tome. First time I was looking through this, I took it with me to lunch. And I'm sitting there, and I have a friend that works at the deli. And she goes, why are you smiling? I said, am I smiling? She goes, every time you turn the page, you smile. I said, oh, I said, these are so fantastic. These are so beautiful. It's just, I mean, here we're talking about, um, there's a whole lens diagram from, I don't know, maybe a pet's fall. I'm not sure. <laughs> it's a fantastic you're, game. You're smiling and laughing I'm now. I'm smiling page, right now, and I'm yeah. not even, I don't even care what I'm saying every because I'm looking at my book. <laughs> But it actually divides the sections up into the very early, such as early cameras, dry plate, field cameras, detective cameras. You need to look in that one. Look at the cravat camera. It is a silk tie with a camera built in. Very much in the beginning of the book. But here's one that looks like three books that should fit on a bookshelf. This is under the detective. Oh, that, that's in that's in that, that's in that, that one too. as well. Yes. So snapshots. We start talking about the, mm-hmm. the box cameras, and then we get into the great plastic bantams, things yes. like that. Kodachrome. They do actually a section in here on Kodachrome. Of course, they have to. Of course, they have to. By the way, when folks post a picture on Facebook of a classic, you know, uh, celebrity mm-hmm. that's shot anywhere from the early days up until the 70s, I always I'm wondering if you guys noticed. I always immediately know when you see the picture, Kodachrome. I'm always like, oh, absolutely. Oh, you know immediately. Yes, it stands out right. so easily. It stands out. Yeah. And, and some things such as um, I can look at my old slides of my mm-hmm. sister growing up, and I know if it was Kodachrome or Ectochrome, just looking from the back because her hair color was different between the two films. Mm-hmm. So my, my favorite thing that always gets reblogged are the workers in uh, World War II. So like Rosie the Riveter kind of stuff. Like yes. all, everybody working during the war effort yes. during World War II. Those Kodachrome slides are just like, they're iconic. E- either one of these books, the 500 or the Curious, mm-hmm. are just joys to look through. They're great to have on your shelf. Absolute joys. I'm looking right now at the Rolleiflex. The Icoflex. Hey, we just well, about the we could sit here and we, could, just flip, sit here we could flip every page. We could flip every page. Well, sadly, in the we don't have time. The 35, I don't care. Oh, we, we are going to go to Mr. Lee's, aren't we? Oh, later? damn yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So, Thank you, Leslie. Just, you got it. Thank you. Did I have one of these? A good old box camera. When I was a kid, Dad would get us on outside. He'd make us pose facing the sun. Then holler, hold it, everybody, hold it. Then click, got it. I hope. Well, picture taking is a lot easier, more relaxed now, especially flash pictures. In fact, indoor picture taking is as easy as shooting outdoors. Watch this. 
daughter gets up to dance, that can be a memorable moment. And when a moment you want to remember pops up, pop on the new Sylvania Blue Dot Flash Cube to make sure you get all the action. With Sylvania's new invention, the Blue Dot Flash Cube, you can now take four flash pictures without changing bulbs and capture for another day all those great pictures that used to get away. And you can be sure you'll get the shots you want because Sylvania's famous blue dot is right there on each bulb. For regular cameras, always get Sylvania blue dot flash bulbs. For new flash cube cameras, get blue dot flash cubes. Sylvania blue dots for sure shots. Great, isn't it? Easy and fun. Whether it's with flash cubes, which by the way Sylvania invented really something, or flash bulbs, both with Sylvania's famous blue dot. And remember what the man said, that blue dot is your assurance the bulb is good. It's so easy to capture those great moments, not just the special occasions, but all the fun things that happen every day in your home. Can you really afford to miss them? So keep your camera handy along with blue dots from Sylvania, a member of the GT&E family of companies. Missed any good memories lately? Hey, we're back. Mark O'Brien, what do you got? Well, let's see. Uh, some of you know that I've always had a fondness for Minolta cameras. I get started with a X700 that someone gave me a long time ago. And over the years, I've that has waxed and waned as I... Waxed and waned, waxed and I used wane. to have a complete macro, every accessory you can imagine for, for the X700. And at one point, I divested myself of all my Minolta gear. I had nothing. And then the neighbor down the street said, Hey, I've got this Minolta X700 that the guy who used to live in your house gave me. And this, the guy that used to live in my house that used to own it was mm-hmm. a, a mentor of mine. And so I basically got the, a camera back that he'd given to somebody else. And I go, Oh, you know, I really did like the X700. So since then, it's been a few years now, I've, I've, uh, keep adding a little bit here and there. And, and I've come to really enjoy especially the the Minolta XGM. It's one of my favorite SLRs. You might ask me ask why is it do I like it better than the X700? Why do you why? Mark, tell me. Why well, do you for like one, that? it doesn't have that capacitor problem that has plagued the X700s. That's one reason. And another another reason is it's basically aperture priority and and also manual mode. One thing it also has it has a a shutter release for a cable release on the side by the lens mount, which is common to a bunch of Minolta's. It has um, stop-down depth of field preview on it. And the other thing that's really kind of cool about it is if you try and use this camera in a condition that exceeds that setting, so let's say you are trying to shoot 200-speed um, film and it's or 400-speed film, let's say, at 500th of a second, and in bright, and you're looking at something really bright, it's going to be beyond what it, it can meter for, and it will not fire. So it's 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 a uh, it prevents you from goofing up, shall we say? And uh, but you can also do ex- exposure compensation up to one and two stops. Either way, it has a self timer and so forth. But it's just a very very uh, well laid out camera, and the other thing I like about it, it's got a little grip on the side, which is which is maintained with the X700 and the X370 and so forth in that series. So it's it's a later it's later than um, some of the other models that, that and more refined than some of the other models that came before it. 
It's got an on and off switch in the top, but basically it's an easy to use SLR that does just what I need to do for most things. And I have a couple of these um, that I've picked up for uh, 10, 15 bucks each at the thrift shop. So you shoot with this model frequently? I, I shoot with it frequently. I've taken it on a lot of trips. I brought it here with me. Another model that is a little bit older, it's the XG1. And it's, mm. it's different enough that if you have the two side by side, they've got a different layout on on the top deck and how you set your, your ISO and so forth, and as well as your exposure compensation. But the XG1 is also a pretty darn good uh, aperture priority camera from Minolta. Again, you can pick these up for fairly inexpensively, you know, $15, $20 on average. So if you're looking for a, a, an easy-to-use 35-millimeter SLR camera that's not going to break the bank, has lots and lots of lenses available for it, other attachments, motor drives. Um, now, the, the XG, XG1 takes a motor drive, and the XGM... It doesn't stand for manual. The XG stands, but it took, it took a motor motor drive. Yeah. And winder. And winder, yeah. Okay. If you want to use something like that, they're great. Um, I have this one loaded with some F squared 400 from Lomography. So. Wow. And uh, I'll get some some uh, some of that developed soon. So that's all I got to say about Manolo. Thank you very much. Very awesome camera. Uh, highly recommended. And they're, they're reliable. They're sturdy. They're well made. They. I, I sold them. They become like a staple. And they yeah. were a very reliable camera to they sell. Are. I knew they would not come back and be problematic. When we come back, I'm going to be like uh, tapping into Mr. Matt Mirage to oh. ask him some questions about, hey, man, how do we support artists? Oh, okay. Hey, man, and then like, you know, once you start supporting artists, what about like if you shoot yourself, how would you like display big prints? Oh, okay. We'll be right back. Hey, this is Michael Rosso. If you're shooting talent or shooting a model... Whether it's trade for print or it's a paid model, you should have a model release form. I cannot stress enough. I've certainly mentioned it on the show many times. What show? In order to utilize your work in the future on the web, in printed materials, in books and magazines, you will need to have a model release form in your portfolio. When a publisher is going to publish your book, they will request model release forms. Holy sheesh. The FPP store now carries model release forms. Film PhotographyStore.com and go into camera accessories. When shooting a model, it's always great to get a model release and either a digital or can be film shot of that model's ID. ID and model release are key to proving that you own your work. Get a model release. Thanks. Super 8. It is so much fun. There are so many vintage Super 8 cameras out there. It's time to pick up a camera and shoot your own three-minute film on a cartridge of Super 8 film. And where are you going to get your film from? Right here at the Film Photography Project store online. As weeks go by, you'll see more and more Super 8 film stocks being added to the store. We have the Kodak Vision 3 line of films that come with a cartridge and a prepaid order form to get your film processed and transferred to a digital file. If you're into projection, if you want to project your film in your living room on a vintage projector, you'll want the brand new Whitner Chrome 200D Chrome Super 8 film. Keep an eye on the FPP Super 8 section in the store in coming months for new products being added. And it's time to start shooting some home movies. Super 8. 
Hey, we're back. Hey, Matt. Hey. So, what's the best way, Matt, to to support artists? Sure. So let, let's let's make the bring this you know big picture. You're on Flickr. You're on Instagram. Tumblr. Tumblr. Facebook. Twitter. Anything. MySpace. What, what, yeah. Well, <laughs> I, might not be, I might not be able to help you there, but let's say you 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 follow some people, you see some stuff, you you like their stuff. That's great. Hitting mm-hmm. that like button, it feels. We all feel great when we have we upload a picture, and it gets a lot of likes. Mm-hmm. Always feel, it warms your heart. It does. You know what is the is the best way to say that you like someone's work? No. How, what? Buy a print. Buy it. Hang it on your wall. Make it. Make a real print. Make them make the print for you. It's a great way to support artists and just to say, hey, I really like this. How much do I? I'm gonna I'm gonna put it on my wall. You don't even have to put it on your wall. Put it in your portfolio book. Start collecting. Don't get gas. Get get pass. Get <laughs> that card out. Yeah, seriously. It's uh, you know, and honestly, because so few people print their work anymore, it is surprisingly affordable to start collecting uh, collecting work and it's always it's always cheaper now uh, to collect it so so get prints I've been putting my money where my mouth is all of 2017 if there's somebody whose work I really like enough I will usually reach out sometimes via messenger you know don't do it don't like call them out don't like do it in the Flickr comments or something like that like you know message them approach them if they don't have if it's not displayed prominently on their website shoot them an email take the time seriously anybody that's has had sold prints before it is always an honor to to make a print for somebody it feels good it's some extra just an extra little bit of support. And it doesn't have to be like supporting like you're making your living off of it, but it just, you know, helps fund the habit. I agree. I don't agree. Well, I kind of agree. How dare you? <laughs> no, it's not that I Cut don't her agree. mic. It's, a, you know, years ago I had not a problem buying a photograph because I knew... Oh, you just don't want to buy inkjet. I got you. No, I want to buy the right inkjet. A lot of people are cranking these out on their home printer. Yeah, yeah. And then I put it up on my wall because I really like it. And it does not last. Do you commonly ask? You may know because you you may be following people. And usually, be, usually I know. Yeah, usually they're I doing know, a traditional. There was there was one instance room. where I didn't ask mm-hmm. and I didn't know. I got an inkling when he shot me the price, and I was like, okay, this is going to be an inkjet, and I was like, oh, I was okay with it. So what I did as soon as he he hit me with the price, I was like, hey, do you offer a silver gelatin version? And he shot me a message back. He's like, yeah, it's going to be more. I'm like, great. Fantastic. Do it. So, I think yeah, it's follow, something to ask about. Yeah, get a read on it. If you mm-hmm. don't, if, if you are new to prints, there are a couple different ways to output those prints. Not not all film shooters will be able to or have the have the means to make their own darkroom silver gelatin prints, but that's okay. There are services, the darkroom, they can make a black and white silver gelatin print mm-hmm. from a file because uh, they, they're the only Ilford lab in the country that can do that, or in the U.S. that can do that. There are also some other s- services that can make traditional prints from digital files using what's called a Lambda printer, like a Durst Lambda. Mm-hmm. They uh, they don't even use, they're supposedly sharper because they don't go through any lenses to do it, which is pretty neat. There are some places that you can send your negatives or, or positives out to, to be to become optically printed. There's just a fantastic one out of Rochester, New York. Rochester. Prouse Productions for hyphen photolab.com. Hmm. Awesome guy. I've toured the lab. It's a sweet place, and his prices are amazing. So uh, a really good dude that can do prints. But anyway, I digress. Traditional prints are one way to do it. Alternative process, that's its own thing. They're amazing. Mm-hmm. Do it. Next up, inkjet <laughs> prints. 
there are home ink jets and there are some fine art ink jets. 200 year life ink jet. Yes, there are your usually when someone says Giclé print. Yes, Giclé. Yes, it's fancy names for it. There's many fancy names for it, but just ask them. Spit. What you know? What? Yeah, exactly. Just spray. But it's serious stuff these days. There are a lot of yeah. There's there's a lot of different ways. There are chival. Yeah, <laughs> some are, some aren't. That's what bothers yeah. me. Yeah, oh, okay. ask about you yeah. know, ask about the paper. Ask mm-hmm. if they're pigment inks. Ask if they're carbon pigment inks. You know, you can you know ask. You don't you don't know what you don't ask for. You don't right. get what you don't ask well, for. Well, sometimes you know, if I'm doing printing for customers, mm-hmm. my product is a pigmented print. Okay. The paper's also rated, and when I'm doing a small run for someone, I give them a statement that if they're uh, including these on a backboard, you know, and selling them at a show, yes. something like that, it tells the material on the rated life on the back. Uh, oh, good. So it gives them, immediately, that gives them a step up. They can say, this is rated, here's a statement, this is the paper I've used. doesn't hurt to ask. It really doesn't. No, it doesn't hurt to ask. And so, so really, mm-hmm. try it. You'll like it. Yes, yeah, seriously. Try, uh, try asking your favorite photographer, if, you know, if your favorite photographer is still alive, Ask them if uh, if they have prints available. Oftentimes, they'll be surprised because they maybe don't print their work or don't get asked about it a lot. Surprisingly, people are getting asked less and less about it. But ask them if they still have prints, and chances are, it, they'll you know if they know you as well, uh, they'll be willing to make you a deal. Or some people will even trade for print. Honestly, I think it's not offensive, but sometimes it rubs people the wrong way if the first thing you want to do is trade a print. Because that's like oh. that's some, a way of saying like I don't have any money, but I want to like you know like swapsies on print. Yeah, but sometimes you do swapsies on print, and that artist doesn't want any of your stuff. Ex- exactly. Mm-hmm. So right. don't lead with that. Like right. they'll they'll let you know if that, that's an option. But usually I don't assume that's an option unless I'm doing a print swap, which is like that's what I, this is about. I have to tell you, you know, when it comes to buying stuff, and this applies to just about anything, especially if I'm shopping locally. When I yeah. buy stuff, especially buying a print, it's like. You're supporting that artist. You are. Yeah. It's like it's like there's no such thing as wasting your money on that. It's no. like you're supporting someone who's making art. It's going to like a really good cause. Yeah, it's so not going to a big company or something like that. It's don't going be a to cheapo. Exactly. Right. If someone <laughs> says, again, yeah, says forty forty bucks for a print, and you go, oh it, my god, that's so it, reasonable. Right. Right. Yeah. Think of what went into it. Yeah. Oh yeah. And of, oh. they're underselling themselves in many cases. Yeah. yeah. Most photographers selling prints are. Higher, right? No, no, woefully underpriced, and that's why I'm scooping them up. Oh, okay. Uh, People you you follow? Yes. Uh, Well, uh, that and you know, sometimes uh, a lot of photographers will have specials where they'll they'll have some sort of print promotion, and basically just to get them in the the darkroom printing or or get them. I have an excellent question. Yes. And you hang out with a lot of really talented dudes. I mean, yourself, you yourself are talented, but like, how does someone listening? Like, where do you kind of go to see who has prints available for sale? I mean, oh, do, you, do you go like, Flickr? Go to your local shows. Yeah. Or can you go on Flickr and see if someone, like, is um, like, where's the best place to go to get, find art for your wall that's so, photography? So, f- find out who you like. You know, go to your favorites. Go to your uh, go to your likes, and uh, I don't know what that is on Instagram. But, yeah, find, find who you like on there. And from there, they'll usually guide you to their website. Oh. The one place that doesn't change despite where the the medium you found them on changes is their website that's that's the the holding grounds for the portfolios for work for curriculum vitae all that stuff but prints that's where that's the home for prints as well mm-hmm. what i do uh, i do recommend 
is you reach out and see if they do prints directly. So one thing I was fighting with uh, Lauren with for a few years was uh, in, in in the other other portions of the fine art world, they are using these commission-based sites like Society6 oh, and all right, this. Like, yes. right. And they're... I don't want to say they're a scam, but they're a scam, Mike. Mm, yeah. they're, they're like these, oh, we'll make you a mug, we'll make you this cheap print. There's no oh, guarantees, no nothing. And the artist man. makes like a 5% cut tops. Right. And and the other part, you, you aren't controlling your output. Exactly. F and those guys. And you That's are not doing art. all the promotion. Right. You're doing yes. all the promotion. And they, and they, they're, so, just, they're just raking it. And if the thing is, if you're like, remember when I had a book review a few episodes ago about photocraft? Yes. And so, and it doesn't have your work doesn't have to be just something on the wall mm-hmm. in a you know two dimensional space. It can be something that's more three dimensional, like it. And so you can find ways to make your material available in not your traditional means, but if it's a way of expressing your work, you know that's that's an, another bonus. This is this is a big tangent, but a piece of art that I was so glad I was able to afford at a time when I could afford hardly anything. I went to Photostock. This was probably like 2012, 2013. There was a gentleman there. I can't remember his name off the top of my head. Mark might be able to help me. Um, he was making tintypes, but he was making them into little collectible three-dimensional objects. Oh, I don't remember. And they were little gems. I call yeah. them little gems, and uh-huh. that's what he he titled some of them. And I purchased one, and it it's beautiful. I keep it uh, I keep it in my car, uh-huh. just so I always have something. If I'm stuck in traffic uh-huh. and I'm like I'm just pissed off at the world because I can't get where I need to be, I'm not going to go on my smartphone because that, that'll get you in trouble. But I pull this little guy out, and it's just this fantastic little wet plate image that's encased in glass over top. Of it and it's like ah, serenity now. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's cool. Our art can have uh, an effect. Uh, hopefully, it has an effect on you. That's the, that's mm-hmm. one primary purpose of art, but it also supports your artist. So contact the people that you like. You'll be often surprised that they do offer prints, and if if they do, that the price is probably going to be pretty good on there. So you know, take a little bit of that that gas fund that you got sloshing around there and put it to some prints this year. It, it helps your wall. It uh, it looks nicer when the significant other wonders what you purchase now, and uh, <laughs> yeah, it supports it supports the people that you like. Matt, since I have your ear, what ear? You know, talking about prints. Let's say folks are listening, like, hey, man, I like to like you know display my own prints. Yeah, but I want to dis- display them big, biggie size. Yeah, <laughs> biggie size. By the way, do you know that McDonald's now has a uh, a super Mac? Big Mac? <laughs> what? Okay, what? hold on. Now, this is a few months old. This is not new news. Get out of here. Quick tangent. Quick fast food no tangent. By the way, <laughs> I, brought I, to you by McDonald's. To all the patties, special sauce, lettuce, cheese, pickles, onions on a sesame seed bun. Say that again. To all the patties, special sauce, lettuce, cheese, pickles, onions on a sesame seed bun. To all the patties, special sauce, lettuce, cheese, onions, pickles, onions on a little... McDonald's Big Mac. The big sandwich with the great big taste that everybody's talking about. Sesame seed bun, and we forgot the onions. Yes, it did. Yes, it did say onions. Are you sure? Then it's, it said onions. <laughs> all right. To all the patty special sauce, lettuce, cheese, pickles, onions on a sesame seed bun. McDonald's Big Mac. The great big sandwich with a great big taste. It's like... It's once in a while. It's a once in a while... Well, listen, you guys at home listening, you guys do whatever you want. I can't want. even eat a yogurt parfait there. It's too sweet. Big Mac sizes. <laughs> God. Big Mac sizes. Oh, my God. There's a picture. Mac Jr. Big Mac. 
And the Grand Mac. The Grand Mac. Yeah, yeah. look at that. It's Grand oh Mac. Oh, my God. Oh, come on. Yeah. You vegetarian? No, I'm not. I'm just... What? To all the and special sauce, lettuce, cheese, pickles, onions on a sesame seed bun. So, so to, w- tell me about Grand Max of pictures, of printing. Like, okay, well, <laughs> big. Once, I would say printing images is over. If you don't do it often, it can be daunting. <laughs> Usually, doing it in, in groups of pictures or chunks of pictures it helps because it, it can drive the cost down, especially if you're like building your own frames and cutting mats, etc. But once the the once one of the sides of your print exceeds about thirty inches. That's oh. where things get tricky because usually a lot of shows will have a restriction of 60 unified inches or somewhere somewhere about that size. But also because you're limited in what you can use just because of the weight of that frame if you're framing it. There are ways you can do it, like not framing, but we'll talk about those here in a bit. But it's about 30 inches. Once it gets beyond that, it's like, whoa. Whoa. We got to do something about this. So from the from the most popular down to some of the uh, the more rare options, the the big thing that people are doing right now, mostly digital, but I see film shooters doing it too. Uh, they will do like a larger uh, float mount or a like a gallery wrap. Gallery wraps have been popular for a few years, but uh, gallery wraps, uh, aluminum prints, something that is physically lighter than sitting behind a large metal or wooden frame that also has a backboard, the print an overmat, and a plexi or glass piece. That just gets so heavy so quick. Did Ava, didn't Avedon kind of pioneer that, those big prints he had on sheets of aluminum? Sheets. Yes. Because I saw those, and they were amazing. Aluminum prints, when done right, uh, like they do uh, over at the Darkroom and a couple other uh, places, MPix, um, a tax ID, you can go through Miller's and get direct servicing and free overnight shipping. That They're a good... Uh, service. There's a lot of good labs out there, but uh, aluminum prints are a good way to, to do it. Um, you'd mentioned Gator Foam. That yep. has been a popular option yeah. over the years. It's lightweight. And uh, with Gator Foam, you can do either traditional – well, no, it's not dry mount. It's a cold mount, isn't it? Because yeah. it's just adhesive on yeah. there. But you you got to get it right because yeah. you have to have a really tight roller set because the air bubbles. And I'm not doing it. They're doing They're it. They're doing it, makes yeah. makes a huge difference. <laughs> yeah, it costs a little bit more, but it's usually worth the, the yeah. peace of mind that it's going to get done right. Uh, one method I found that works really well uh, – I just recently printed out some of my uh, newer infrared images from uh, 2016 and 2017 uh, – I printed a few 40 by 50s and a select 60 by 80 prints, um, and I got I got them what is called face mounted. Now, face mounting isn't just something that happens uh, when I am trying to skateboard or ride a bicycle. (laughs) Um, It's also when you take a large image and you seal it uh, with plexi or acrylic in the front of it. Mm -hmm. It's uh, a very very nice way to get that pop out of an image. The the image doesn't doesn't matter what it's printed on, because as soon as it's behind something like that, it just has presence. It picks up that light and just shines. I I love it. In my opinion, as soon as it's on the wall, it is worth every penny to see an image uh, in that size, face mounted, and it's lightweight. It's like oh my gosh, it's kind of like I'm just moving around a big reflector. I'm not moving around a a monster. I couldn't imagine glass that big. No, no. When you wouldn't want it that yeah, big. Yeah, that's a hazard. A yeah. Uh, the biggest print I've had gone glass, which even then I kind of regretted, was uh, some 30 by 30s that I had printed. Not printed, but it was 
20 by, I think it was like 20 by 20s in a 30 by 30 frame. It looked uh-huh. like a big Polaroid. It was right. awesome. But like those frames were monstrous and you, you had to look for studs and like double mounting and it, it was just a, it was a bear, but face mounted prints look awesome. How much do they cost for something that's a 20 by 30 or something like that? 20 th- oh, the face mounts don't get ridiculously priced until you're, until you leave about 30 by 40. So uh-huh. like a 24 by 30, depends on where you went. I actually have a, uh, walking distance from where I live, there's a place that does it commercially. So all I did was I pre I pre prepped all of my print with the backing board on it, and I said, "Can you face mount this?" And they're like, "Yeah, when we pour it, uh, we can do a bigger size and make cuts from there." I'm like, "Yes, please." So I just provided them okay. everything. It wasn't cheap because since they're industrial, I had to pay a setup fee for it. But I was out a couple hundred dollars. But if that was if that was UV right. like museum plexi and stuff like that, that could have been like that after two prints. Right. Let right. alone a show's worth of prints. So um, I, I think it was worth it. Some commercial services that offer it, it can get pricey pretty quickly, especially if you start doing you know different images. But by the time you get to a big piece like that, you have to think of it as you're either selling that piece or you're you're making that one. If you're selling, if you're putting it in like a show, you're you're banking on you know, selling one or two right. or something like that and that will should hopefully pay for everything just like any gear purchase or something if you're an event photographer you buy a piece of gear knowing that it's going to be paid off in a gig or two if it's not you're doing something wrong right um so that's how i consider it for for shows but as far as like if you're just framing that one big piece yourself it's easily worth the cost up to up to several hundred dollars what show could you perpetually Make errors as 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 a beginning starting to print. Make errors printing the wrong size, printing it too big. You keep making errors that you, of stuff you're making and you can't sell. Does that yes. happen a lot? Oh my God! Yes. So what I what I did is when I started, I started printing. You can always print bigger, but you you can't. I don't think you can make a, a print that's too small. I've learned that from what, seeing shows of contact prints from like medium format cameras. So there, oh, yeah. there's no such thing as too small a print, but it's very easy to approach too big too quickly. Yes. And if you don't go within a, a standardized size or something that you can afford to do 10 or 12 of at a time, your odds of, of being able to reproduce something show to show to show is is it's not sustainable. So I went with starting out 16 by 20s, 20 by 24s even are, are, are a little too unwieldy for most big most walls. Yeah. Uh, 11 by 14, 8 by 10, 11 by 14, 16 by 20. If you stick within those sizes, your framing options and everything becomes very, very easy. But, you know, definitely if you haven't seen your work big and you have some nice scans from like a V700 or you paid somebody to do an Imicon or a drum scan, something really nice, mm-hmm. you know, you paid the darkroom to do the super scans on yep, there, like yep. <clears throat> treat yourself, you know, do a 20 by 30, do something really nice and big and see if it works for you. But don't do all of them like that. Like the only time I recommend doing biggie size is when you have a place for it. <laughs> right. Right. Just think of the color ramers that they used to have at Grand Central Station. Oh. You remember those? Oh, yeah. yeah. The big Kodachrome prints or Kodachrome mm-hmm. transparencies, right? And they're wonderful to look at, but you know that whoever took those doesn't have a room full of those. They've got their favorites. They got yeah. the yeah. one. They got yeah. the one, right. Exactly. And we've discussed this before, but the size you print at is also based a little bit on how you're showing them. Yes. And your exhibit space and all that. Viewing you don't distance. want to make a print that's way too big for the space because mm-hmm. people immediately see, you mean, you're supposed to step back to see it. And also for the format. So let's say I, I remember going to a show and they had 20 by 24 Holga images on the wall, 
And to be honest, I mean, the Holga was designed is not you know, the best quality of image, right? But it's got its own dreaminess and so forth. But when you project that into a really big print, you see all its flaws, and it detracts from the image. So maybe a 12... 12 inch, a 12 by 12 square would have been fine, but 24 by 24 was way too big. You see everything. Yeah. You see everything. And yet you see nothing because it is so big. You right. You, you can't see the forest or did, the trees or the forest. Ha- did it happen to be the infamous uh, shot of Al Gore during, during oh, his r- campaigning? Right. R- no. With that? Oh, okay. I've, no. I've seen that it, one printed it, it, like twenty by twenty. That one, okay. that was cool. No, this was, these were ones that were done in, in a gallery in Ypsilanti. Oh, okay. And uh, and I was like, oh, these are way too big. And it's a learning process. There's, sometimes there is no best, no one way for anything. We just have to find out what works for you, and then and go with it. But this all kind of ties in. Just you know, print more. <laughs> yeah, print more. Yeah, definitely print it's more. A, and if you don't like printing, use an instant camera. Yes. There you go. I mean, it, it, full circle. There you go, Mike. Thank you very much. I hate to say it, but we got to go. I want to thank everyone for joining us uh, this season. Uh, when we come back in the fall, it'll be our um, an- our birthday. What year? Let's see. 2009, eighth? 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17. Ooh. We'll be celebrating our 8th year on the airwaves. Whoa. Is that all? Seems like more than that. It does, right? <laughs> Man. I know. It's crazy. It is crazy. It's you know Matt, but I can I can start crying right now. It's just so great that you know we're all still so enthusiastic about it. Mm-hmm. I, I I know people who have come and gone in the digital realm oh, in yeah. the time that it's it's taken us to just kind of like find our stride. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it, it really it took a few years for us to hit our stride. Yes, it, it really did. But now it's like I just feel good about everything. Still, I always felt good about everything. And I'm always amazed at the folks who write in and like, hey, I listened to the whole, they listen to the whole catalog. That's always impressive. And yeah. that's, you know, I don't listen to older shows because they sound weird. They do. It sounds like it's a, it's a different time. It's a different place. It's, But I guess from a listener perspective, who's just getting into film photography, it becomes like a journey. It's part of the course. course. All right. Did you not right. meet John Fidelli in the dark room? I met John Fidelli in the darkroom in 1984. That would be the uh, Bill on the Hill, William Patterson University. William Patterson. I was shooting uh, Panatomic yeah. X, and he was just oh. amazed because I was – what a tie-in. I was, I was making big prints. Hey. I was making big prints in the darkroom. It's and like John you these was shows. just like – he's like – he like couldn't believe – he's like, how – because, you know, a student, you shouldn't try it. You, know, you should try <laughs> X as a student. He's like, what – what – how did you get it so crisp? What are you shooting? Huh. I'm like, oh, Panatomic X. He's never heard of it. Mm-hmm. Great film. I still yeah. have a little bit. Great name. Yeah, Panatomic X. Panatomic So it's a journey. Okay. So folks listening, uh, podcast at filmphotographyproject.com. Please do write us. Uh, you could subscribe to our, even though we're gonna, not going to be on the airwaves in the summer, there is going to be an email newsletter every two weeks. Go to filmphotographyproject.com. Up top of the page, see subscribe. Hit that. Tell your friends about us. Uh, hashtag us, Film Photography Project. Uh, uh, you know, sort of rattle the cage. Uh, do posts about us. Yes. About your experience with the FPP. When, when you talk about it, other people find out about us. Yes. 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 Send an email. Send a Spread blast. Spread the love. Hash- Spread it. Don't regret it. That's right. We're on Flickr. 
We have a group in Flickr, Film Photography Podcast, Flickr.com. Uh, Instagram, of course, Film Photography uh, Project. Facebook. Facebook. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so, um, we're, you know, we're going to be with you this summer while you're shooting, thinking about you, and always looking forward to hearing from you. So, share your summer experience with us, what you shot. What I did on my summer vacation. That, that's right. Have you shot any new film, any of this, this new, uh, any new Lomography film? Have you shot the, the film Ferrania, the black and white? Mm-hmm. Uh, are you anticipating Kodak Ektachrome coming out this fall? How about some EIR for those warm summer days? Oh, yes. yes. Some FPP. Color infrared. Yes. yes. Slap a, a yellow fil- number 12 filter on your camera and go out and experience color infrared film. It's it's really magical. It is. So It's, it's crazy, but it's magical. I'd like to keep talking, but we're going to go to Mr. Lee. Lee Sushi in Wayne, New Jersey. Mm-hmm. And, hey, you know, we'll be back soon enough. And, you, of course, go back in time, get in that time capsule. <laughs> Find some of the infamous episodes where Matt talks about, you know, really weird stuff like Cream It. <laughs> <laughs> Can we have some surf music after this? Oh, perfect. Perfect surf music from... Smooth Sailors, Surf, and of course, Dane Johnson uh, in the Smooth Sailors also is in the band Bongo Surf. Bongo Surf. Bongo Surf. You could uh, Google that, Bongo Surf. And here in the summer, he frequently plays in South Jersey. Oh, nice. So look it up. Find the Dane Johnson playing live in Bongo Surf and hit him up like after the show. Like, hey, man, you're FPP. See you in September. Is that a song? September. See you in September.
No. Okay. So you can do pinhole. No, I'm going to do pinhole. What is that? I thought you were doing pinhole. I'm going to talk about mine ult, the XG1 and XGM. Oh, it looks like a firecracker. So I went and I bought them all out because it's a laser drill's 110 brass lens. But what? 126? 126. Oh, I do. But I'll. Kodak Vision. Yep. 50D or 250D. It's all in the past now. 